Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Marriott Travelers Behind the Design. Okay, so to start things off, can you tell us, I know that you had mentioned this in your email, but just for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your business, and kind of your experience? So, hi everyone. My name is Jennifer Metatosh, and my business is called Metatosh Design. I'm based in Newport Beach, California, sunny Newport Beach, California, Um, but I work on both coasts, um, having recently moved from New York, uh, where most of my work still is. So I do travel back and forth, crisscrossing across the country um, quite often. Uh, My background, I actually started um, my time in design after a stint in working at Sotheby's and sort of auction houses and art and design was a big part of it. But um, I studied in England after moving around a whole bunch, which I won't bore you with. As a kid, uh, I ended up in in London where I studied at Christie's and then started working at Sotheby's in Portugal. Um, I was young out of school, so starting in Portugal was amazing. And um, I had to quickly learn the language, which I did. And from there met my then husband or now husband, I should say. Um, And his mother was Portugal's leading interior designer. And um, things just came to be where I needed to help out the family business and take over running her interior design showroom and design office in the center of Lisbon, Portugal. And so I started that about 1997. And that's kind of how I got into interior design, um, all thanks to my mother-in-law. So Um, amazing. So in-laws do have good things. (laughs) 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 Um, her name is Grassa Viterbo look her up she's fantastic she's pretty awesome Um, and pretty kick-ass or I shouldn't say that kick kick great designer let's say Um, (laughs) we tweet that out tweet that out Um, so I um, started working on interior design projects I went back and sort of studied through the Inchbald School of Design which is where she studied and where my husband studied in England and um, my husband and I Bruno Viterbo was also an interior designer. We started our own business in 1999, um, had a a strong component of education, and we were connected to that school in London and started to bring to Portugal um, a continuing education component to our business. And so we did television talk shows and um, organized congresses and conferences throughout the year connected to trade shows and things. So we felt like it was really important to not only continuing the education for ourselves, but also for all of our peers and fellow designers in Europe. And, um, and that was a really big part of, of my initiation, I should say, into the design area. And that's important because when we moved to New York in, 19, in 2008, um, I started my blog and that was kind of a continuation of that part of me that really felt that sharing was important and um, contributing to the design world as much as I possibly could and um, being part of the design world and connecting with other designers was crucial to my growth in New York and sort of building my brand and my business in the United States. Um, and so when I moved to California, it was actually my blog um, that connected me to Ali Grosslight, who's the publisher of California Home and Design Magazine, who introduced me to um, 
Bob Olson and Artie Olson. And that's how I was asked to be one of the designers in um, of the Lido house. So <laughs> long story short, there's always, I guess, you know, you never know what, um, what one thing can sort of, and how that can lead to something else. Um, but always keeping your doors open and eyes open, I suppose, allows for connections that then later on can bring you great fortune or great happiness, like I guess in this case. Definitely, definitely, definitely. It's all about who you know. Um, that's really interesting that you talked about living in Portugal and London. Can you talk about some things that you learned there from a design aesthetic that you maybe use in your design now that you're in the States? Absolutely. Um, working in Portugal was very different. It's a lot more hands-on. Um, building is very, very different. It takes, you know, maybe two to three years to build the house as opposed to sort of having the framing go up in, in a couple of weeks. Um, we build in brick in Europe and you kind of, you build it up, you start taking it down again and running the pipes. And so all that hands-on on-site experience, I think especially early on in my career, um, was was a huge help to me because it made me understand the process a little bit more than had I just simply studied in a more theoretical way. Um, I got to spend a lot of time with engineers and lighting designers and architects and um, all those sort of various components of, of construction um, and building and um, learning how to sort of draw on the walls and figure things out um, on site, which I don't know uh, that I would have had had I started my career in the United States because it's just so different. Um, having said that, everything needed to change, not just, you know, not using the metric system, <laughs> for example. Oh my gosh, that's um, a big change. <laughs> you know, little things like memorizing certain heights and certain dimensions of things when you're first starting out, you know, the height of a table or um, and needing to sort of convert that all into inches and feet um, sometimes still stumps me, but, um, or learning the technical words for certain elements in Portuguese and now having to say them in, in English. Sometimes you'll hear me say the words in Portuguese on site and the guys will look at me like, what, what language is speaking? <laughs> I'll be like, no, no, sorry. I meant to say, you know, crown molding or whatever, but sometimes the words just still pop up in Portuguese. Um, but it definitely that European um, classical uh, traditional layering and understanding of scale and proportion and classicism, I think was very helpful. And I'm so grateful um, to my mother-in-law for giving me that, that sort of foundation. I hope to bring that um, into all of the design that I do now. Um, and I think that's something that's very difficult to learn unless you learn it in a place like Europe where um, it's sort of rooted and has a lot more of that just at your fingertips, whereas here you'd have to search a little bit more for it. Um, but also working in London and working in Europe, um, I was able to work on many hotel design projects as well as um, remodeling Staples Office Center throughout the Iberian Peninsula and um, private homes, um, small and large apartments. So there were just the variety of um, artists that I was able to collaborate with and buildings that I was able to be part of designing um, was so varied and so large that, um, again, starting out young designer, I'm sure that I would have had that experience. Right, I right. My own 
um, you know, here. So I don't tend to work on a lot of hospitality and commercial projects in the United States just because it's, um, it hasn't been where I've focused a lot of my work and where the referrals have come. Um, Lido is the first commercial project I've worked on in the United States, but um, it was such a different experience. It was more of a private home in terms of the way that we designed it, but I was able to tap into a lot of the understanding that I had of hospitality design, um, and I hope that that came across and comes across to the people that end up using the space um, and are able to you know, the guests that will, will call it home for the time that they're there. Definitely. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your inspiration for the cottage that you designed for Lido House? And then um, a follow-up question to that is, I'm also curious on how you pick which kind of textiles or flooring or things that you use in relation to the house being so close to the beach. So maybe start with your inspiration and then we can talk about some of the things that you chose. Sure. Um, inspiration, I think we all sort of tried to meet the brief that was given to us by Bob Olson and the Artie Olson team, um, as you know, with, with Marriott being part of that, obviously, and we wanted to sort of incorporate an East Coast meets West Coast kind of vibe. Um, and having just finished um, a home in Martha's Vineyard, I sort of tapped into a lot of the East Coast work that I do in um, residential areas like in Connecticut, Relate and Darien, um, Larchmont, they're all very beach or Hamptons, they're all, you know, beach front, so to speak, um, areas of, of, of living and the way that they approach design and living um, in their home is, it's still coastal, but it's, um, it perhaps is a little bit more sophisticated or a little bit more detailed than just sort of your average beach shack. Um, I, I wanted it to feel very elevated and I did want to recognize, I want people to come and visit my cottage, the Bay Cottage, um, and know that they were in Newport Beach and not be confused as to where they were because I don't think people come to any hotel or any resort and want to feel like they aren't in the location, you know, that they right, are right. Uh, visiting. Kind of get that but local feel. Exactly. But without being too kitschy or in your face, I wanted to touch on feeling of, you know, the nautical and the beach tones. Um, and But I did incorporate a lot of millwork, especially in my stairwell, um, a lot of natural sort of mixtures of materials, whether it was brass or chrome um, and mixed metals, but also um, iron and sort of a black matte finish to a lot of the hardware and the stairs mixed with raw oak. Um, so there was a, a huge sort of um, mixture. Um, there was a lot of mixture that I felt makes people feel like it's a lived-in space. Definitely. I didn't want it to feel new. Um, I wanted people to walk in and not want to leave, um, especially because the cottages I would imagine and hope that people will come and want to stay for longer periods of time um, and not just, you know, a fleeting one night sort of um, overnight stay, but perhaps stay a little longer and right. enjoy the entire summer with your friends and family. So I wanted people to, to have moments where they would also discover new things in the cottage um, as they spent time there. Um, one key element, for example, was um, in the stairwell as you come up, 
you'll find little drawings that are um, five by seven hand drawings of um, moments in Newport Beach and activities in Newport Beach that one can enjoy, whether it's riding the Ferris wheel or um, whale watching. Um, and they're all hand drawn by an artist, uh, which I commissioned, Tana Allridge, who's based out of Michigan, actually, but she's an interior designer as well. And um, I saw her sort of one sort of very simple and organic line drawings. And I asked her to recreate these scenes. And so that's not something that you see immediately um, because they're small and hidden and tucked away in the stairs. But it is something that um, you'll enjoy as you walk and use the space a little bit more. Yeah, that sounds cool. Right. They're just little, little details that perhaps I tried to incorporate that give you a moment of pause as you're spending more time in the cottage um, and hopefully enjoying your time. So you said something that I really like that I want to go back to. You mentioned that you wanted to create a space where people could feel like they wouldn't want to leave. How does someone recreate that if their house is in a beach house in Newport? Because I don't really want to leave Newport if I go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the sun does help, and the location, especially of the Lido House, is um, quite fantastic and, and really special and unique. And I think for, for locals like myself, I'm so thrilled that Lido exists because we needed that in our own area instead of we have a lot of family that come from overseas, especially Portugal, which is also a coastal town um, and, and country, and, and where we live is a coastal town. It's in Estrell. Um And so... I wanted, you know, for my family to have a place to go and stay, um, not to stay at my house, um, where they can <laughs> stay and stay a while and enjoy um, the feeling and still feel comfortable. So that I think the way one can recreate that is to not have any one specific style or trend um, in the space and to allow for the layers um, which would, in an, in your own home, accumulate over time. You know, it's a painting you bought somewhere. It's a drawing. It's a rug. Um, there's a feature in my cottage in the living room that a lot of people have commented on that have visited. Um, there's open shelving above the television. And I filled them with um, books that are all in sort of tones of blue. But they are real books. And they're all, um, there's a combination of, of books that are about cooking and um, novels and, you know, just the, the wide variety and genres of, of literature that you could possibly ask for when you're in a home. Um, yes, in terms of design, I tried to keep them all within the green and blue color story um, because aesthetically I thought that would be more pleasing. But I also wanted someone to be able to sort of pick books and sit down and read it um with you know a coffee or a glass of wine at the end of the day yeah it's design that's pretty and usable which is cool and usable and functional and um and sort of there's a a hidden picture um that I bought in Phoenix and I had to cut down to size to fit the wall which is sort of like a vintage retro um young lady beach babe let's call her with a beach ball uh, but you don't see her unless you're actually sitting in the living room and and sort of paying attention. Although she's quite large, she's sort of hid, hidden and everything else is kind of discreet and sort of calm and serene. And then there's this sort of cute little cheeky girl um, that's sort of winking at you 
um, as you sort of sit and spend some time on the space. But again, it's just all about recreating what you would in your own home, um, which is I fell in love with this piece. I fell in love with this chair or I fell in love with this pillow and I brought it and I'm using it, whether it sort of decoratively fits the space or not, or you think it matches the color scheme or not. Um, somehow if you, if you do that in a very natural and organic way, and a lot of the pieces that I found and I've used at the Lido cottage or the Bay cottage, I should say, um, were all pieces that throughout the design process, I was sort of collecting, um, and I knew I wanted to somehow find a way to incorporate them. So it wasn't just designing with the main pieces, which of course were important to have that functionality. Um, but at the same time, I wanted there to be a lived in feeling and that's, you know, that's how you, you achieve that, I think. And, and anyone can achieve that in their home. Not to, not to be afraid to mix metals or to, you know, incorporate different styles, a little bit more traditional with something perhaps a lot more contemporary and modern. Um, when you start at the beginning, it's sort of like that first scratch on a new car, uh, that, that leather that's just been, you know, that still smells new. And you get that first scratch, it kind of hurts in the beginning, but um, then once it's lived in a little bit. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's really interesting. <clears throat> One thing that I think that a lot of people tr- want to get out of going to the beach is feeling relaxed. Um, do you have any tips on design from like a relaxed standpoint, how you can make a room feel relaxed? I like what you said about combining different elements. Are there other ways that you can achieve that kind of relaxed feel in your own home for someone who doesn't know anything about design? Of course. I I think and I, and I hope that I've achieved this at the, the Bay Cottage. There are moments where there's a lot of detail um, and a lot of elements of whether it's accessories and layers um, but then within the space there are moments for pause and sort of visual silence and I think that's how you create you create that, that harmony in areas where you can find peace Not everything needs to be maximalist um, and I think in order to achieve that sort of calm serene designed um, area and, and living space is to allow for there to be breathing room in between moments of, you know, creative chaos, if you will. Right. That um, makes a lot of sense. Cause then you don't want your house to feel so cluttered that you can't relax in it. So that's a great and, point. And joining things together. I think sometimes people tend, and I see this a lot when I visit people's homes, they, they have a lot of artwork, um, but none of them are necessarily, you know, the Picasso or, or the, the main star. And they tend to sort of spread them out throughout their homes. Whereas I think they'll all have much more impact if you combine them and maybe create that gallery wall or create a feature art wall where there's, they have more power and strength combined and joined together, even if the frames are different, even if they, you know, some are sculptures or little artifacts and you sort of hung them on the wall creatively. Where, and then leaving one wall blank um, where there's, again, that breathing room and sort of visual silence where your eyes and your mind can rest and appreciate the space in between um, the rest of the, the clutter, you know, sort of organized chaos, if you will. Right. So we're almost done. But one uh, quick question that I wanted to just f- end with, if you had an interior design motto or something that really represents you and what you stand for as a designer, what would that be? 
besides hire a designer? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It would be uh, be fearless. And, um, you know, I think people are so frightened of trying things out, even just strong paint colors. I hear that all the time. Oh, I'm scared or I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure. Everything can be changed. Everything can be fixed. It's, you know, if you try the paint color and it's bright pink or it's bright green and you don't like it, you can paint it white. Um, nothing is is set in stone, even stone. Uh, so, you know, try, don't don't be frightened, but always get a professional to help you just, just like you would in any other, you know, you wouldn't operate on yourself. So ha- having someone hold your hand and maybe help you cross over the finish line and, and have that leap of faith moment like a like a professional designer, then I think you'll, you know, you'll be able to achieve that, that happiness that I think everyone wants and strives for in their space. Definitely. I think that's good, just life advice too. We're all changeable. We can all paint ourselves different colors, in, you know, exactly. theoretically. <laughs> Absolutely. Nothing is set, you know, today you had a bad day or you represented yourself perhaps poorly. But tomorrow you're able to, you know, start again and, and do, do better, you know, make yourself have the better version of you um, come forward. And I think that's true, like you said, in everything. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Hannah. I appreciate it. I'm excited and I can't wait to uh, hear about the other designers as well. I'm eager to get to know them a little bit better, even <laughs> even after we've we've spent months building homes one you know next to each other right right so fun well thanks again i hope you have a good day and we'll be in touch in the next week or so sounds good have a great day you too bye well that's a wrap hope you guys enjoyed this episode of behind the design to check out more travel tips go to traveler.marriott.com and follow us on social media because that'd be the right thing to do 